Hi there. Thank you for choosing to listen to this sermon. We pray that God would use this as an added resource to benefit you in conjunction with you belonging to a local church near you. This sermon was preached at Central Baptist Church Pretoria. 130 years of believers loving God, caring for one another and impacting the world. All right, so this morning as we as we start, um I'd like us to start by almost imagining some won't have to imagine because you have children. Um so if you do have a child, what's going to happen is on the screen there will be a picture. I hope there'll be a picture. Will there be a picture? Uh, there will be a picture, and you have to, um, if, if you're seated next to your spouse, you can say, that's your child, or they can say, no, that's your child. Uh, if you're not married, you can imagine, okay, that would be my child, or that would be my wife's child, whoever my wife would be. Or if you're like young, young, and you're even thinking of marriage, you can say, that's me. All right, so, so the first picture is that one. So I'll use myself an example with my wife and clearly this is my child. Cute, well put together, very happy. So that would be from me. That's clearly my lineage. But the next picture, clearly Tobile. That surely there's nothing there that represents me at all. But the next picture, oh, look at that. Clearly my genes very organized, striking a business deal uh, at a young age. But the next one, again, surely must be a distant uncle twice removed from Tobila's side because um, th- that couldn't be from me. But this child, oh, man, that's my genius. Um, clearly uh, worked hard to, to make sure that we'll have a little boy genius. And, I mean, you can see if you look and you squint your eyes, that's Malachi. Um, <laughs> But in the next one, I think there's one more. Uh, no, 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 no. That one, again, is not my child. So, so the, the point of, of all of this is, is generally we want to be represented by good. In fact, most of the bad pictures, Tobila can confirm, would probably be more me than it is her. So, but in reality, I want to be remembered for the nice things. If, if Malachi is, is messy, it's easier for me to say, I know that is, that is his, his mother's child. But when you think about these relationships, it's, it's not only the, the, the parents with the child, but often it's also the child with the parents. You'll hear many children... If you see it with your parents, don't expose yourselves. But amongst siblings, you'll hear children say, hey, now that's your mother. Or you'll hear them say, oh, that's your father, when they're embarrassed by something that a parent has done. So again, the idea is we all want to be well represented. What we want to see in this text is that we are diplomats of heaven. We will see in this text that here on earth, we are to be representatives. We are to be representatives of God. And so the question to us, even in the beginning here is, do your deeds reflect that you are a representative of God? Are you a good representative of God that when we flip through those pictures, God would see by your deeds that surely that is my representative? What we saw last week is Pastor Charles led us through the fact that our bodies are like an old car. They, are, they have leaks, they have aches, they have pains, they often break down and they are in need of repair. Pastor Charles shared with us that our bodies are wasting away and our bodies are groaning in line with creation. 
But then he encouraged us. He encouraged us to look forward. He encouraged us to, to look up to heaven, to take heart, to be encouraged, to look towards the day when Jesus comes back, where we'll receive a building from God, a building that is not made with human hands, but it is eternal in the heavens. My friends, this morning I want to draw attention that that, that day will not only come with the reward of a new body, That day will not only come with the joyous freedom from sin, but that day will also come with judgment. See verse 10, if you're already in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, just briefly consider verse 10. Verse 10 says, We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or bad. So Paul had first introduced this idea in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12 to 15, where he spoke about our deeds being tested with fire. In 1 Corinthians, Paul made it clear that what we do and our motives for doing it will be tested by God. The purifying fire of God will burn up everything that we have done on this earth that was not for him. A commentator adds this, He says, we won't be punished, for there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We won't be punished for what was not done rightly unto the Lord. Those things will simply be burnt up and will be as if we never did them. We will simply be rewarded for what remains, sadly. Sadly, some will get to heaven thinking they have done great things for God and will find out at the judgment seat of Christ that they did nothing. Everything was for themselves and not for God. And so this sermon is very important now in 2023. In 2023, we live in an age of distraction. We are bombarded by not just the obvious time wasters like FIFA or or mindless scrolling through social media. But we are also bombarded by good initiatives like work, like school, like hobbies, like errands, like relationships. All of which are programs which are taking us away from our ministry of reconciliation as ambassadors of Christ. Someone once said, Satan has a thousand ready-made event-oriented distractions to keep us from pleasing Jesus in this ministry of reconciliation. And so in light of that, with, with this in mind, I'd like you to consider our passage this morning, which is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we'll start our reading from verse 11 to verse 21. Verse 11 of 2 Corinthians chapter 5 reads, Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to you, and I, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us, so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. And if we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. Verse 15. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. For now... For now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. 
Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciles us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, verse 19. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespass against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God for our sake. He made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I want you to join me as you pray for God to bless his word. And so God, as we gather here this morning, we do pray that you would speak to us. We pray, Lord, that as we go through your word, that your spirit would, would, would make it alive in our hearts and, and help us to understand it and help us to be able to apply it. Lord, I pray that as I speak, God, that I wouldn't uh, speak amiss, but God, I would speak in line of the truths revealed in your word. I pray that your spirit would lead me. But God, I also pray for good soil. Lord, I pray that this seed would fall on good soil so that, God, it would produce fruit in the 50, in the 100 folds, Lord. Oh, Lord, we pray that souls would be saved here this morning. We pray, Lord, if there are those who don't know you, that, God, you would reconcile them to yourself here today. And, God, for those who already know you, God, won't you make them uncomfortable? God, won't you convict their hearts, Lord? Won't you make them see if they have been wasting their time with the things of this world and not being involved in the things of God? Lord, I pray this morning that you would so challenge them that, God, they would once again prioritize their lives, making you the chief end of all things. And so, God, I pray that you would bless this time of fellowship and worship together. In Jesus' name, amen. And so, church, the, the point this morning is simple. What we do on earth is important. The time we spend here on earth as pilgrims is important. As ambassadors, as those who are on mission for God, we will be tested by the one who is seated on the throne. Friends, we are not simply wasting away. We are not simply waiting to die. We have a mission. We have a job to do here on earth as those who are representatives of God and as those who are ambassadors of Christ. And so my first point is, do you get the gospel? Has it sunk in? Has the gospel clicked in your life? Do you get the gospel? Paul starts verse 11 with, therefore... In light of our e eternal destiny, in light of the glory that is to be revealed, in light of these new bodies that we are to receive, how are we to live life today? Do we just groan and wait? Is, is that all that God has meant for life to be? Are we to, to simply keep busy so that we forget that, that our bodies are wasting away, so that we forget about the pain that sin has caused in this world? The answer is no. Verse 11 says, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. Knowing that there's a day that is coming. Knowing that the day of judgment is coming, we persuade others. Knowing the reality of the resurrection of the just and the unjust, we persuade others. 
Who are the unjust? The unjust are the unbelievers. Those who have rejected God, they will be raised to be judged to the lake of fire for all eternity for deeds done in the flesh, for their sins and for their rejection of God, they will be rightly punished by him under the dreadful wrath of God. Who then are the just? The just are the ones who have the righteousness of Christ imputed in their account. They are the ones who by faith have passed from death to life. They are the ones who, who have right standing before God because of Jesus. They are the ones who have the privilege to be called children of God because they have received the one who died in their place. They will be raised to life with God for all eternity. But this message is really for believers. Those who are the just, who who will be just to eternal life. You too will have to make an appearance before the throne of God for deeds done in the body. And so Paul is saying with this in mind, knowing that one day you will have to render an account, one day an account must be rendered before the judgment seat of Christ, we persuade others. Folks, the man who seriously considers the day of the Lord must inevitably be touched with fear and shake off all negligence. I must persuade others. I must persuade my neighbor. I must persuade my colleagues. I must persuade my classmates. I must persuade my friends and my family members who will perish without Christ. But how will they hear or how will they believe in him whom they have never heard? So the Apostle Paul says, consider our example. The Apostle Paul will go on to say, we, we were spent for you faithfully with a pure conscience because we were those who walked in the fear of God. Acts chapter 9 verse 31 says, So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. So the fruit that the apostles produced in ministry was because they got the gospel. Eternity had gripped their reality. See verse 11. What we are is known to God. And I hope it is known also to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearances and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. And if we are in our right mind, then it is for you. See, the Apostle Paul knew that God sees the heart. And so he is saying that the apostles do not need to persuade God about their motives in ministry, like they needed to persuade the Corinthian Christians. Look at verse 9, he says, So whether we are at home or we are away, we make it our aim to please him. You see, the apostles served longing to hear those words from Jesus Christ, Well done, my good and faithful servant. They coveted this as a greatest favor. They, this was their highest honor. It was the summit of their ambitions. And so, he says, he hopes that the church knew this in their own conscience. Hey, his ambition, his ministry was upright. He endeavors that they see him for what he was by the help of the Holy Spirit. He was a man of integrity. He was walking in the fear of the Lord, persuading man to repentance and faith in Christ. What a challenge. 
So the challenge for us today is we can't go on in life just, just thinking that we can offend others as long as we are pleasing God. We need to debunk that notion. It is the gospel's job to offend men and not ours. His word is the sword that we swing in grace. So like Samuel and Jesus, we need to grow in favor both with God and with men. And so the Apostle Paul says, in your own conscience, you'll see that our ministry and our motives were right before God. And so church, if you get the gospel, if you get the gospel of Christ, if it, if, it, if it has moved from your head and it has moved to your heart, then you too will make it your life's aim to please him. You won't be living for yourself. You will ensure that men see that you serve God through your deeds. Church, what you do must reflect the Christ you serve. Paul says, yeah, I'm not bragging. I'm not trying to draw attention to myself, but there are those who are boasting about their outward appearances. There are those who have constantly made accusations to me. They've accused me, the Apostle Paul is saying. They've accused us as the apostles for having ill motives. They've accused us for not being apostle enough. Can you believe it? They accused the Apostle Paul for not being apostle enough because he suffered. There were some members in the Corinthian community who did not understand Paul's endurance and suffering. In fact, Paul would write later in this book, hey, if I must boast, I will boast in the things that show my weakness. So to sum this section up, what is Paul really saying? He's saying he suffered, th he suffered many things for the cause of Christ. So therefore boast in us, O Corinthians, because the Lord has so worked in our lives, because the Lord has worked in our suffering, because the Lord has worked in our, in our beatings to produce the fruit of salvation in you and the edification of the church. So therefore imitate us. The Apostle Paul is saying in this passage, follow us as we have great zeal for Christ. Consider verse 13. He says, for if we are besides ourselves, it is for God. But if we, are, if we are in our right mind, it is for you. If we are considered madmen, if we are considered crazy apostles, then it is for God. But hey, if we are considered poised and well put together, then hey, it's for you. What is he saying? The apostle again, he's saying that, his, that our great zeal for God, we were beaten by some, but we still preached the gospel to those who beat us. We were imprisoned and we still sang in prison because there was an opportunity to preach the gospel. We pleaded with tears for the sake of the souls of men. Your current hardship, has that taken you away from serving God or has it brought you closer to him and has stirred you to serve him all the more? I believe that we too would have considered the Apostle Paul and the other apostles madmen today. In fact, if I started crying right now, if I preached with urgency that you need to get your priorities in check, if I pleaded with you right now in tears that you must repent of your sins, dear unbeliever, and turn to Christ, if I got on my knees right now and wept from this very pulpit and pleaded with you to stop sleeping with your girlfriend, to stop sleeping with your boyfriend, to stop swearing, to stop drinking, if I pleaded with you and urged you with urgency 
right now in tears, that you are to put away your anger, that you are to put away your lies, that you are to put your laziness to death. If I pleaded and begged with you right now from this pulpit in tears, ripping my garments, that you are to put away the lustful images that you entertain on your phone, and you are to put away the pretense that you put here in church, then you too would forget about my words and consider that merely this is a madman. You too would ignore my words and simply conclude that I've gone crazy. And friends, I too would conclude that I'd rather be called a madman for the sake of Christ than live and preach as though there was no urgency. You need to fix your life today, friends. There's no time. There's no time. We need you on the battlefield. We need you to be calling men to repentance. You need to repent of your sins and get back to living for God. Don't say you'll do it in the spring like a summer body. Don't say you'll do it when you've put things in line. Do it today. Make everything in your life revolve and center around Christ than trying to squeeze him into your schedule. No, things must be squeezed into his We need you and your gifts in this local church. Not figuratively, but we need it physically. We need your encouragement. We need your service to the king. Get off the stands and serve the Lord Jesus Christ with us. For the day is near where you will have to stand before Jesus and give an account for the things that you did here on earth. This is an urgent message. This is a 911. If you want motivation, I'm not trying to scare you into obedience to Christ. So if you need motivation, consider verse 14. He says, For it is the love of Christ that controls us. Because we concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died, and he died for all, that those who live, listen to this, might no longer live for themselves. But for him, for the, who for their sake died and was raised. The love of Christ. The love of Christ poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. The love of Christ which was present in the hearts of the Holy Spirit in the hearts of the apostles by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. It constrained them. The Greek word for for that constraining implies to compress forcibly the energies into one channel. The love of Christ was to the apostle and must be to us an irresistible power that restrains us to one great object at the exclusion of other considerations, a commentator said. We see this play out in Acts chapter 18, verse 5, where Paul says, I was pressed by the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Christ, that Jesus was Christ. Another commentator says this. Listen to this. It's also on the board. He says, it is impossible. It is impossible, but that everyone that truly considers and ponders that wonderful love which Christ has manifested toward us by his death, becomes, as it were, bound to him, constrained by the closest tie, and devotes himself wholly to his service. Now we have to be careful here, 
This is not a sermon that is calling you to some sort of legalism. I'm not calling you to acts of service to try to get the merit of Christ because that is impossible. The only act of service, the only works that are worthy to gain the merit of God are the works of Jesus Christ. That spotless lamb of God. He is the one in verse 14b who died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for they say died and was raised. And so we are to respond to that. This is not a call to legalism, but it is a call to deep adoration to Jesus Christ. Church, we are to devote our lives to him because we love him, because we want to please him. Thinking of the love of Christ displayed on the cross for the apostles. They were bound by it. They were influenced by it. Its power overtook their hearts that they were willing to be beat. They were willing to be stoned. They were willing to be shipwrecked. They were willing to be mocked. They were willing to be ridiculed for the sake of Christ because his love compelled them. They got it. They got the gospel. It clicked. Do you? Do you get the gospel? Have you drawn a line in the sand as to how far you are willing to spend and be spent for Christ? Are you currently on spiritual leave, focusing your efforts on the comforts of this foreign land where you simply are passerby? Friends, if you believe that Christ died for you, then you are to die for him. You are to live on this earth as a pilgrim waiting for that day. You are to live no longer for yourselves, but for him who for your sake died and was raised. See verse 16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. This now leads me to my next point. Those who get the gospel are transformed by it. Those who get the gospel are transformed by it. There's an old song when I thought, when I thought of this transformation. It's, it's an old song we, we sang back in the hood. I'm not recommending it, but you'll know it when I sing it. Uh, it's a song that we sang, change, change, change. It simply means change, Christian. And the point, the point that the Apostle Paul is making is that Christians are not merely renovated. Christians are, are, are not simply getting a fresh cut. As I know some of you have been saying, when is he going to cut his hair? Christians are not simply getting a tummy tuck or a facelift or even a paint job. Friends, Christians are born again. We are made new. We are new in Christ. We are a new creation. The old has passed away and behold. In fact, that's how you should read that behold. It's not in behold. Behold, the new has come. And that's why Paul is urging us in verse 16 that, hey, I don't, I don't regard you any longer according to this tent that is wasting away or to the status and riches that you are going to accumulate on this world because, hey, you ought to be dead to this world and its pleasures anyway. We are a new creation. But the first half of that verse is easier to interpret when you think about it. We are to regard each other no longer according to the flesh. But then he says, even though we once regarded Christ according 
we, so even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. What is the apostle saying here? Well, first we have to say what he is not saying. What the apostle is not saying is that Christ's life on earth was meaningless. He's not saying that his time in the flesh was meaningless. You see, Paul understood that the righteousness imputed into his account was because Jesus was tempted at all points, yet he was without sin. He fulfilled the whole law and was obedient to the Father, even to the point of death. So church, Christ's life is vital, even in the process of our salvation. However, Paul here is reveling. He's reveling at the reality and the expediency of Christ's ascension. Jesus said to his disciples in John chapter 16 verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage. The King James says, It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come. But if I go, I will send him to you. So Paul's regard for the Spirit of Christ here is in connection with the Holy Spirit's ministry of regeneration. Who is it that makes you new? It is the Spirit of God. It is the Spirit of God that makes you alive. Because of Jesus' finished work here on earth, because of his finished work on the cross, he ascended into heaven and he sent us the Holy Spirit who, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation because of him. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. Verse 18, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespass against them and entrusting to us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 20, therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I hope you got that. All this is from God. Our salvation is from God, by God, and for God. Christ reconciled us to himself. The very same God we sinned against, the very same God we rejected, the very same God we grieved, died so that we could be reconciled to him and so that we can enjoy the forgiveness of God. Amen? In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespass against them. I was washed, praise the Lord, in the blood of the Lamb. But now what? Two verbs the Apostle Paul gives us, and both these Greek verbs are in the the aorist tense, meaning these are two events that happened in the past, which he takes a snapshot of and gives us in this passage. Those two verbs are he gave us and he entrusted us. So now what? We have been given the message of reconciliation and we have been entrusted with the ministry of reconciliation. God, in his eternal plan, chose to use the spoken gospel, the words of the gospel as his vehicle to salvation. Friends, he could have used angels to proclaim the gospel. He could have used birds. He could have used any other creature in creation. But he has determined that the gospel be preached by saved humanity. Those who get the gospel preach the gospel. 
not just apostles, not just pastors, not just missionaries, but this is a ministry that was entrusted to all who have been reconciled to Jesus. So church, are you a good steward of this ministry? Have you been a good steward of this message? Do you remember the parable of the talents? Are you that one who hid the talent in the ground, refusing to multiply what God has entrusted to you? Will you on that day, on that day of judgment, only present to God your faith? Or will your faith be followed by obedience carried out in good works? Verse 20 says, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal to us. So two things that came to mind as I thought of ambassadors. One, ambassadors are representatives. They represent a certain person, they represent a certain country, or they represent a certain cause. Paul says, we are ambassadors of Christ. We are representatives of God, the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God, the root of David, God in the flesh, Emmanuel, the suffering servant, the Messiah, the Lamb of God. We are representatives of the head and the bridegroom of the church, the author and perfecter of our faith, the mediator, the living water, the bread of life, the great I am. We are representatives of the door, the light of the world, the good shepherd, the great high priest, the son of man, Christ. We are ambassadors of the Christ. Let that sink in. But not only are we representing Christ, but we also have a country to represent. Your home is not on this earth. Your home is in heaven. Remember how we started that little activity my child, Toby's child. Friends, we also need to remember that how we act on this world is to represent our Father who is in heaven. So the question is, would, would God be embarrassed by us as his ambassadors because we don't represent the person and the values of Christ? Or will our acts here on earth reflect those who get the gospel. Second thing about ambassadors, ambassadors operate from an embassy. We right here at Central Baptist Church Acadia are surrounded by embassies. This is where ambassadors receive their instructions. This is where they are reminded of their purpose in this foreign land. Friends, in many ways, God has given us the local church as an embassy. We come together, we gather here and are reminded of Christ and his work. Right here at this embassy, we stir one another up to love and good works. And then we send each other out into the world to fulfill the task that God has called us to. It is here that we get a taste of home. When we get homesick, this is not our home. When we miss heaven or we think of heaven, we get a taste of it here, our heavenly state. We get a taste, sorry, we get a taste of our heavenly state where our eternity rests. We get that taste here when we gather and worship God together as the family of Christ. And so, oh believer, your absence to the gathering, your absence to coming to church on a Sunday, your absence leaves you vulnerable. It leaves you prone to being sucked in to civilian pursuits, forgetting that you have been enlisted by God for a specific purpose. This world is not your home, O oh believer. 
in this world, you only to be a light. You are to be an aroma. You are to be salt. Church, you are to be different. The word for different is the word holy. You are to be separate from this world as you serve Christ as an ambassador. God is making his appeal to fallen humanity through you. You, seated there, young or old, you, male or female, you, rich or poor, you, sick or well, if you have been reconciled to God, then you have a mission to reconcile others to him as well. So if you are here this morning and you are still testing Christianity, I started this morning by saying, this message primarily is a challenge to believers saying, hey, you've been trusted, you've been entrusted with this ministry of reconciliation. But if you are here and you are still testing Christianity, you are still waiting before you commit to Christ, if you are still enjoying your sin and the pleasures of sin and you are struggling to give it up for Christ, then we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Death is an unwanted guest that doesn't send an announcement before he comes. Death doesn't send you a text telling you that he's on the way. Death comes unannounced and it is the transport to meet your maker. The wrath of God is reserved for you in your current unbelief. On that day of judgment, you will be served, judgment will be served for the sins that you have done in your body against a holy God. The wage of your sin is death. Won't you repent today? Do not delay. Repent today. Trust in Jesus Christ and in Him alone. Won't you be reconciled to God? And so like the suffering of this present age that does not compare to the glory that is to be revealed for those who love Jesus, it is equally true that the groaning and the suffering of this age does not compare to the mourning, the suffering, the anguish, the sorrow, the guilt, and the shame that is to be revealed to all who have rejected Jesus. So this morning I plead with you, believe in Jesus. Verse 21 says, for our sake, he being God made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. For our sake, Jesus became our substitute. He became a curse for us. He bore our sin and shame on that cross so that we could be reconciled to God through faith. So once you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved, and can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood? Died he for me who caused his pain, for me who him to death pursued. Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? Let's pray. And so, God, I pray that you would, you would bless these words of mine. I pray that you bless these feeble words of mine. I pray that your spirit Lord, would take my finite and flimsy efforts 
and produce from them the fruit of your salvation. Thank you, Jesus, that, that you became sin. Lord, you knew no sin, but you became sin so that you might become our righteousness. Oh God, this morning I pray that you would grip us by your love. God, may we once again be those who are controlled by the love of God. May we be so gripped by your gospel that our lives are spent to make you known. God, whether it's from our nine to fives or from our homes or from our schools or from our neighborhoods, may we so, so endeavor to be good ambassadors of Christ who proclaim the message of reconciliation. God, I even plead. God, I urge those who are here this morning who, who have forgotten that they are passing by this earth. God, I pray for those who have been caught up by this world and its pleasures and have forgotten their mission. God, I pray that you would so tug at their hearts, draw them to yourself again, that God, they would be spent for you. God, I pray that even as we gather as a local church, we would faithfully encourage each other to fulfill the mission to which we have been called. For when Christ our life appears, our hope will be complete. Our longings finally rest as we fall at his feet. When Jesus comes to reign, restoring everything, our tears will turn to tides of praises to our King. We're longing for that day when we will see Christ our Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon. Find out more about Central Baptist Church at www.central.org.za.